Welcome to the Building PA Podcast, the voice of the construction industry throughout Pennsylvania. Here are your co-hosts, Chris Martin and John O'Brien. Hello, and welcome to the Building PA Podcast. I am co-host John O'Brien from the Keystone Contractors Association, coming to you from central Pennsylvania in the lovely town of Dillsburg, PA. Joined, as always, by uh, fellow co-host Chris Martin. Chris, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, John. Doing just great. <laughs> Thank you for that introduction. And uh, hi, everyone. This is Chris Martin. I am president of Atlas Marketing, and we tell stories for companies that build things. And uh, I think we've got a really, really strong story, but broad in the sense that it's going to cover a lot of different area, right? Right, John? It is. I mean, we're it we're is. talking about some really great big things here. So with us today is the president of the Marcella Shale Coalition, Dave Callahan. Yay! <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Dave. Well, well, thank you for the opportunity. It's great to be with you both today. Yeah, welcome, Dave. I know, Dave. Before we kind of started this, we just had a couple, you know, just going back and forth. And I, when I mentioned the broad range, you know, knowing that the Marcella Shell Coalition reaches more than just Pennsylvania, can you can you give us, our, you know, our listeners a little bit of background on the on the coalition and what your role is? Certainly. Uh, the coalition's been around since uh, 2008 at the uh, near the very beginning of what we call the shale revolution. Uh, we represent the entire value chain, uh, so to speak, of the natural gas industry in Pennsylvania, ranging from producers, pipeline companies, companies that, uh, that uh, process, fractionate natural gas, meaning they extract natural gas, very, very valuable natural gas liquids from the natural gas, and of course, those downstream from there as well. And finally, in addition to that whole value chain, we represent uh, the whole myriad of companies and interests that supply goods and professional services to the industry. So anything from environmental consultants, drilling companies, uh, even some of the uh, construction trade unions have thought it wise and, and just to join the organization, and we're quite proud of that. Nice. Well, I got to tell you, when our podcast producer, Tracy, said we're talking about Marcella Shale Coalition today, I thought, this is awesome. This is really cool. I mean, this takes me back to my Pittsburgh days. I was used to work at the Master Builders Association, and, and we had a nice partnership, you know, as you guys were forming and, and you know, during your in infancy days. Absolutely. And then, yeah. And then fast forward to today, I'm now in central PA and been here the past six years. And there's a coalition to support, I think we call it SNET, Stop New Energy Taxes. And it's a, a lot of Marcellus, it's a lot of fracking and Marcellus shale associated companies, which I'm probably, I'm sure a lot of your members are involved. So I'm absolutely on that coalition here throughout the state and meeting with a lot of legislators. So it's like I said, I'm excited for this show and I'm going to ask a question and shut up and let the star <laughs> talk here. <laughs> but I just couldn't stop the excitement, Chris. Tell me to shut up. <laughs> no, keep going, man. I like that. Yeah. I like that. People may not know about the SNET. So that's good. I didn't know there about it. Go. So nice. SNET's still around and kicking. We're doing good here. But Dave, if you could, could you maybe uh, touch on some of the, the current issues facing the gas and oil industry? Certainly. Uh, there's, we're not lacking for issues in the yep. industry. There's any number on the public policy front. But first and foremost, we're, we're looking for regulatory certainty, regulatory predictability. And I would imagine, as, as we've seen, I mean, I don't know when, when the uh, podcast will be released. We just saw this week a statement from the new governor, Governor Shapiro, talking about providing more regulatory mm -hmm. certainty for businesses. 
And that's something that we desperately need. Uh, we need to know just what it takes to get a permit processed and approved. What are the X's and O's that we need to place precisely on that permit application, as well as we need to have a clear indication of how long it'll take to secure a permit. That regulatory certainty is <clears throat> unfortunately missing right now in the Commonwealth, and it's unfortunately exists in other states to our detriment, so that companies who are looking to locate, whether it's an energy company looking to expand operations or a manufacturer or, or other organization, they have that regulatory certainty in other states, primarily those states around us, our competitor states, we're lacking it here. We need mm -hmm. to know what it takes to satisfy permit requirements. We need to know how long it takes. And quite frankly, there's a lot of disparity even among uh, regions in Pennsylvania for how different offices handle various permits. You know, for example, in, in uh, southwestern PA, for a very, very important but basic permit, an earth moving permit, it could take upwards of a couple hundred days to secure mm. a permit. In years past, it would take well over a year sometimes, but you don't know. But you know, according to the regs, it should be taking anywhere from 14 to 60 days. In other parts of the state, it can be done quicker than that, but still much longer than that 14 to 16 days. We're not asking, and I'm sorry if I'm, I'm sucking up all the air here, we're not asking for, for relaxation. We're not saying don't regulate us. We're proud of the fact that we're operating under the most stringent regulations in, in the oil and gas industry in the whole country. We're not asking for relaxation of that. We just want some predictability. I can't imagine if you're sitting there anywhere from 14 days to a year to simply get a permit to move Earth. I mean, how can you plan a project around that? And well, I and think again, that's a legitimate question. Those permits are, are integral to everything we do, that earth moving permit, whether you're, you're constructing a well pad, whether you're putting in an access road to that well pad, whether you're constructing a, a compressor station or, or pipeline or anything else, you have to move earth. Kind of hard to actually plan if you, it's going to take that long. Yeah. And, you know, past attempts, and this isn't, you know, a current administration issue. This is something that we've dealt with for some time, but past attempts have, have said, uh, you know, past administrations have said, well, if we don't give you the permit on time, you can get your money back. Well, permit application fee versus the, the you know, the, the, the money lost in constructing a well pad and operating a well pad or putting a pipeline in, I mean, that's pennies on the dollar. I mean, yep. The whole host of activities that have to take place to either develop or transport natural gas, it's its like a very, very intricate dance or even a symphony, if you want to call it that, where, you know, instruments have to come in at certain times and do certain things. It's well choreographed, well, you know, and so any any degree of unpredictability just upsets the whole thing. And mm -hmm. again, that's money, that's development, that's not necessarily putting the Commonwealth itself in a good light when companies are looking to expand here, when companies are looking yep. to add jobs here. You, this a lot morning, like the Separations yeah. Act, John, doesn't it? It does, yeah. <laughs> now, I mean, this morning I was at the Harrisburg Chamber. They had their annual legislative event. It sounds like I recorded. There was the same comments mm -hmm. from. It's encouraging because it's both sides of the aisle, Democrats and Republicans, saying the same same thing. They want it predictability, is. and yeah, it's encouraging. Yeah. That, is. that this isn't an issue where partisanship uh, has taken root. This is a bipartisan issue. We all want the same thing. 
We all want good jobs. We want economic development. And we want, you know, we all want to continue protecting the environment along the way. Some of the things that always come to to mind when people think about oil and gas is is fracking. And and we know it's not a bad word. We know it's not a you know a, a negative thing. But can can you address some of the some of the myths that are involved with fracking? Sure. Well, well, first of all, it, that's a shorthand way of saying hydraulic fracturing, and it's a practice that's an essential practice for the development of oil and gas that's been around since roughly the mid 1940s. Mm-hmm. It's a safe policy, safe procedure, something that's been done for a long time and perfected. Oh, by the way. You know, I I previously mentioned that, you know, we operate under the most stringent rules and regulations in the whole country. Every every operation that that's conducted at that well pad and downstream is heavily regulated, uh, the hydraulic fracturing and everything else. So what it pretends to uh, P.O.R. portends to is general misunderstanding about the industry. And it's something that we deal with each and every day to show how heavily we're regulated to show the steps that we take to protect the environment when, when we operate. And not only that, but by the use of natural gas, increased use of natural gas, how it's benefiting the environment, whether it's the air, the water, and more. So far, we've talked about operations side and some permitting side, some business side. But as far as your, if you put on your president hat for the Marcellus Shale, Shale Coalition, I just wanted to see if uh, maybe you could touch on a few pain points you know, that, that the coalition face. Sure. Well, yeah. we could we could talk about a couple of things. I mean, this might also so delve into the first topic that we discussed yeah. about uh, priorities. And we need we need workforce development. We need yeah. to train the workforce of tomorrow. Again, whether they're working on the well pad, whether they're working on pipelines, whether they're working on a laboratory or further downstream. This industry employs, uh, this is our saying, and I'm going to stick to it, people with qualifications ranging from a GED to a PhD. And we need to help and we need others to help us get the word out that, number one, this industry is vibrant. You could earn a very good living in this industry. And the resource here will be around for generations. There are a number of organizations around the state, uh, you know, technical schools, uh, the construction trades themselves that are doing a fantastic job of training the workers of tomorrow. We, this industry, with their, with their assistance, with their guidance, these other organizations, we're giving Pennsylvania residents, young people in Pennsylvania, a reason to stay close to home. So they don't have to go off to uh, other states to find employment. There's good, strong employment here. You know, there's uh, an example of that is that the U.S. Department of Energy, uh, a couple of years ago, uh, issued a report on the industry, and they showed that I believe this was nationwide, but uh, wages in the industry averaged uh, $112,000. I think this was back in 2020. And, you know, if you want to cut it even more, taking out supervisory roles, wages averaged 88000 in the industry. You can earn a good family-sustaining wage in this industry, around this industry, and not just family-sustaining, but when you talk about taxes and everything else that people pay, community sustaining because a strong force, uh, a strong workforce equals strong communities for us as well. Now, that's one of the things that we're dealing with the MSC. We're always looking for members. We're always trying to get the word out, not just about what we do, but about what the industry does. You know, day in and day out, we're confronted by headlines. You know, a study says this, you know, somebody said that fracking is this, and it's up to us every day to set the record straight. We deal in facts. 
we're held to a very high standard. So every day we have to spend a, a, a fair amount of time getting solid facts out into the public domain. What I'm trying to do today with you gentlemen, what we do every day in earned media as well. We share in facts, we, we always can back up whatever we say uh, with resources. As a PR guy at heart, I love that. Earned yeah. media, you don't hear that too often, so I'm getting well, excited now. Well, you, you know what it's like though, you know, a headline yeah. comes yeah. out, it says this this 9,000 9, page study claims, you know, gas stoves, you know, and react to it, please. And that was a perfect example of where they didn't have the facts and they were absolutely yeah. shoddy studies that, you know, quite frankly, a high schooler couldn't, couldn't get credit for in high school for yeah. the way that they did their stuff, but... Yeah. You mentioned earlier the, the amount of natural gas and the impact that it has on the community. But I, I hear a lot that, you know, Pennsylvania is the largest natural gas provider in, in the country. Can you talk a little bit more about that and how that impacts the state and, and local communities as well? Sure. We're, we're actually number two uh, behind okay. Texas. But but when you combine us with our neighbors in West Virginia and Ohio, because the Marcellus and the Utica Shale basins underlie you know, those states and, and a couple of others. So the Appalachian region is the number one producing region in the country. And if we, and if we were a separate country, those three states, uh, we'd be the number, number three producer in the entire world. It's significant. And when you think about it, this is something that you know, not that long ago, before the shale revolution hit Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania couldn't even produce a quarter of the gas that we consumed ourselves in the state. Now we're producing 20% of what the whole country produces. Wow. It's been massive. It's been significant. Employing, by some estimates, several hundred thousand people directly, indirectly, and by inducement as well, meaning you know, you've got restaurants and others that have benefited, people right. who sell FR equipment uh, and things like that, heavy equipment as well. It's been monumental. And it's not just on the energy side. Let me just take a minute and talk about the energy side first, though. I mean, it's not just the, the natural gas itself that, that runs machinery uh, that, that heats your home, heats your business. It's also in power generation. Natural gas is responsible for roughly 53% of the power generation capacity in Pennsylvania. And oh, by the way, again, I, I always try to balance out the environmental and economic benefits. That power generation industry, thanks to increased use of natural gas, they've cut their CO2 emissions by uh, more than 40% since 2005. So there's a lot of benefits being realized here. There's also the benefit of you know, a lot of the stuff you have around you. That is that along with the natural gas in certain parts of the, of the formation in Western PA, Eastern Ohio, Northern West Virginia, there's other hydrocarbons with that natural gas related hydrocarbons known as natural gas liquids, propane, ethane, butane, isobutane, pentanes, those things things, I'm not a chemist, those things are used as the chemical building blocks everything we have in our lives, whether it's the, the plastic on the computer, your cell phone, uh, clothing that you wear, uh, products that are in your home from junction boxes and things like that, everywhere, everywhere. We're making that, we're making the building blocks for that in PA as well. Well, in my role at the, the KCA, I often find myself meeting a lot with, with legislators. And the next time they bring this industry up, I might have to steal your line and say, well, this industry employs 
people that range from a GED to a PhD. So. I, I don't, I didn't corner the market on that line, but it's I like yours. That. You can use it. I like you it. I like it. it. And and if you ever want, I'm happy to walk in those office with offices with you. Sure. I mean, it's a it's a strong strong sure. statement to see different different interests aligned together on energy. Again, energy is and should be a bipartisan issue. Energy is an issue where, where business and labor come to agreement. It's amazing to see a coalition of interests that have, mm -hmm. that have formed around energy, see the benefit of energy, not just for Pennsylvania, but uh, for the whole country, for our energy security and national security as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a big topic in the General Assembly. And uh, as, you, as you very well know, we've had a large turnover I'm, I'm, in almost 20 years, it's the largest turnover, you know, new governor and new legislature and and just wondering with that massive wholesale change, how that impacts you at all and, and your MSC members. It's a challenge in meeting with these people, trying to meet with as many as possible before yep. they start making decisions. <laughs> you know, hopefully we've met with a number of them when they were on the campaign trail as well. But it's also an opportunity. It's an opportunity, again, for us to hone those facts to give them the essential data and information, to hold ourselves out as, uh, as resources for them, to give them the information they need before they start making decisions so that they don't make those decisions in a vacuum. They hear from all sides, if there are sides uh, on an issue, so that they know they could depend upon us to share good, solid, fact-based information. I hear a theme, Dave, and that is what you just said, solid, fact-based information. I like that consistent message because I know that we we've have we have some clients in, in the oil and gas industry and we've helped them, you know, not only from a marketing perspective, but from a crisis communications perspective and realizing that the facts are so important, especially as it relates to the science behind it and, yep. and what comes with it. So with that said, can you talk a little bit about like the infrastructure development and where that's going for the industry as, as a whole. You've talked about community and, and those type of things. So how can you, can you talk a little bit more about that? First of all, there was a decent build out of infrastructure when this industry first emerged here in Pennsylvania in the Appalachian region. However, right now, uh, I, I wouldn't say we're maxed out, but there's a desperate need for more infrastructure. We need more pipelines. We need more compressor stations. We need the infrastructure to grow the industry because we've got these tremendous resources. We could be supplying more to our allies in Europe. We could be su supplying more heck, to uh, other parts of the country who are suffering under incredibly high energy prices like New England. You know, we're only a couple hundred miles away, but yet there, there are forces that have kept pipelines from being built, additional pipelines from being built uh, up to New England. It's not made up, again, I deal in facts, uh, a couple of years ago, New England was importing gas, uh, uh, you know, gas from Russia, tankers filled with Russian gas. New England is importing internationally sourced gas where they're paying higher prices because of Europe's demand for liquid natural gas is driving up prices, international prices. England is paying, New England uh, are, is paying those higher prices because they're on the international market for that. When we've got supplies right here. We've got supplies right here. We just need the the will. Yeah. And we just need, again, the regulatory clarity. We need the predictability. We need the government saying that we'll give you a clear path to get the permits you need to run pipelines where you need to run them. 
We also need export facilities. You know, we do have a we do have access to some export facilities here in PA, whether it's down in Maryland or or shipping all the way down to the Gulf Coast. But heck, wouldn't it be great if we had a port, uh, you know, something around Philadelphia where we could export natural gas from the Appalachian Basin directly over to our friends in Europe, help them out, help them provide for their energy security and national security. It's a bright future. Yeah, it's a good good road to get on. The opportunities are there, but you know, the the challenges are are <laughs> limitless as well. We just have to be clear-eyed and focused on energy affordability, energy reliability, energy security, as well as the environmental sustainability of that energy resource. And we can't look at one and not all the others. We have to look at them all in balance. Well said. And and yeah. Dave, I think the the balance that you that you seek you know, is um, something that the construction industry looks for as well. And so yeah. I guess my, my last question here is, is how can the construction industry support oil and gas and vice versa? Or I should say energy, I'm sorry. How can our two industries work together to make sure that that balance is achieved? Sure. Um, I mean, when it comes to any proposals to clarify the regulatory process here in Pennsylvania, happy to share what we say about it with, with you folks, with you and your members. You share with us what you say about it. Be great if we're, it would be tremendous if we were saying exactly the same thing, but at the very least, we could say complimentary things about what's needed and how exactly we're going to go about making it happen. Again, when I when I talked about the all the new uh, legislators coming into the General Assembly and the challenges of sharing with them information, open ourselves up for you folks, for the construction industry yep. to look at whatever resources we have on energy facts and figures, on the workforce, on the environmental benefits, on the economic benefits. We're an open book on that. Use whatever information we have. You and your members can go to our website, marcelluscoalition.org. They could link up with me on LinkedIn. I do a pretty good job of sharing stuff probably weekly, sometimes a couple of times a week on information that we're getting out there. Let's join forces. Let's make yeah. it happen. Let's provide those good paying jobs and provide for the economic advancement of the Commonwealth. I'm tired of seeing big, big projects going to other states. Let's bring yep. some of those home. I'm ready. Let's do this. Let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dave, wow. I think I will take you up on the offer when I meet with legislators. And if, if this topic ever comes up, I'll definitely take you up on the offer and get you included. And, and I'm sure along with regulatory discussions and legislative discussions, I'm sure we could partner on workforce development efforts as well, too. So this is a big issue that Absolutely. impacts both of us. And yeah, the, the start of something great, a great partnership. <laughs> yeah. I look forward to it. Yeah. Well, Dave, thank you for joining us today. I know it's been a busy day for you, as you were telling us earlier, but uh, I think this is definitely something that we can build upon and, and look forward to having more conversations, uh, not only on the podcast, but without the recording going. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely right. I look forward to it. And I can't thank you enough for the opportunity to speak with you both today. Thank you, Dave. Thank you for joining the Building PA podcast. To stay up to date, follow us on LinkedIn and Facebook and visit buildingpapodcast.com to subscribe to upcoming shows. Thanks for listening.